Well, the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament is our story. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you're trusting in Jesus, the story of the Israelites is your story because, as I said earlier, we, we were rescued. The story of the Israelites were they were slaves in Egypt. They had horrible masters in a horrible situation, but God set them free. And so then he promised, I'm gonna take you from slavery, from this old master, I'm going to be your master now and I will lead you to the promised land. I will take you home. And so as a Christian, what is a Christian? Somebody who has been set free. Somebody who was slave to sin and death and Satan. But now God has come and said, I'm going to set you free and I will take you home. I will get you to heaven. I will take you there. I will be the one who will lead you. But between our being saved and rescued from slavery and home, we're in the wilderness. And if you look through the book of Numbers, you will see this is where we see the wanderings of the Israelites. Between their salvation and between when they are, before they get home, they are in the wilderness. And the wilderness is a time of trial. It's a time of needing to trust. It is a time of battle, of fighting. It is a time of pain. And that is where we are if you're a Christian this morning. We're not yet in heaven. We're not yet in glory. But we're on our way there. And so we are in the wilderness. What does a time of wilderness look like? Well, maybe you know what this is like. So here's some signs that you're in the wilderness this morning. Maybe you will feel stuck in a rut. You feel you just can't get out of it. Uh, the journey that we were, the Israelites are on should have taken 11 days. But here they are, 40 years later, still wandering around. And perhaps you feel similar. Things that you have struggled with in the past, you're still struggling with. Mindsets or um, temptations or struggles you've just fallen back into. Maybe you just feel a, a despair that you can't seem to move on in your life. And you just seem stuck in a rut. You see, we're in the wilderness. Maybe you feel like giving up. And um, you think, well, it's going to be better if I give up. Surely life before uh, trusting in Jesus was easier than this. Maybe I'll just give up on Jesus altogether. The Israelites were looking back at the time in slavery and saying, do you remember that food we had? We get a taste of it here. Remember the grain and the figs and the pomegranate and the, the cucumbers? Remember all of that? We, we had all of that when we were in slavery. And they thought it was great. But the reality was it was horrendous. But maybe you're feeling like that. You're feeling drawn back and you say, I'm just going to give up. You see, we're in the battle. We're in the wilderness. Maybe today you are distrusting God. You, you doubt he, he loves you. You doubt he cares. You're doubting his motives. And you're questioning his ways. And you see, we're in the wilderness. We're not yet home. God has rescued us, but we're in that in-between time. And we're in this world which is broken and fallen. We're in the wilderness. Now, right, life in the wilderness is hard. It is relentless. And often we can feel in times of hopelessness and, 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 and struggle and pain. And in today's passage, we see the toughness of the wilderness. And we see it taking its toll on the Israelites and on their leader, Moses. And we're going to see how God can be our hope throughout it all. So just as a background then, as a reminder, for 40 years now, Moses has been wandering with the Israelites and God has promised to set these Israelites free, which he did. And he used Moses to do that. And he had done amazing things uh, to them to keep them going. He had provided food for them every day. 
He had provided um, salvation from their oppressors. Remember, he went through the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted, and these people all worked through. They had seen this pillar of fire in the night as a reminder of God's presence. They'd seen the pillar of cloud by day, and they'd seen all these things. And yet, since day one, it seems, um, these people, about two million of them, who were walking around the wilderness, were moaning and groaning. They were looking back to their time in slavery under the horrendous oppression they were under and saying, oh, we want to go back there. They were rebelling against God. They were wandering to other idols saying, oh, we're going to choose our own gods. We don't need him. We're going to do it ourselves. And this had been going on for 40 years. And then we read in chapter 20, verse 1, that Miriam died. We can read over that and miss it really, but that is a significant thing. Miriam was Moses' sister. Do you remember the story of how Moses was born? Moses was born under the oppression of Egypt, the Egyptians, and they put out this decree to kill all the male sons. So Moses was born and he should have been killed, but instead he was put in the bulrushes. He was put in a basket and put on the river Nile. And who was it that kept an eye on him? It was his sister, Miriam. She was the one who kept an eye on him. Now, if you read the story of Moses' life, you do see that they fell out. Miriam and Moses did fall out. But still, this was his sister. She was a prominent woman in the, the Israelites' life. And here they are, this generation that had left Egypt, one by one, were dying off. They're not going to make it. Jesus, uh, the, and we see that the judgment came on God's people, that they, the ones who left, the original crew, we're not going to see the promised land because of all their rebellion. And perhaps for the first time, Moses was feeling the impact on his family. We're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Now, yes, the next generation, we're going to make it to the promised land, but this generation, we're going to die in the wilderness. So he is feeling the frustration, uh, the, the heartache. He's feeling the, the, the pain of all of that. But here's this new generation. They were going to make it. And what does he hear in verses 2 to 5? Something so familiar. Here were the grumbling people again. They were quarreling with him and said, would that we had perished earlier. Why didn't you just leave us die, Moses? Why have you brought us here just so that we die in the wilderness? And Moses, well, he's in desperation. 40 years ago, the same thing happened. The same thing, they said, we want water and you've given us nothing. Come on. So 40 years later, the same groaning, the same mumbling, what most must Moses have been thinking? Not again. Not this generation. I can't face this again. So what does Moses do? Well, he doesn't say anything. Look at verse 6. Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell on their faces. So in, in God's presence, they just went, God, we can't do this. They throw themselves down on God. And so God tells them what to do. Because there they are, they're moaning, we want water to drink, we're in the wilderness, and you've given us nothing. So Moses says, what do we do? God says... Take the staff, verse 8, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother. Tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water so that you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give a drink to the congregation and their cattle. So God tells them what to do. Speak to the rock and the rock will bring forth, forth water. The rock broke, brought forth water 40 years before um, and it's going to happen again. So verse 10, what does Moses do? He gathers everyone. Moses gathers the assembly, two million people there, and before the rock, and he says to them, hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock? 
Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and then water gushes out abundantly. But do you see what happens next, verse 12? Because God then turns to Moses and he says, because you didn't believe in me, you didn't uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people, you're not going to go to the promised land. You're not going to make it. That's the judgment on you for how you've behaved here. So Moses did something, and Aaron did something, that meant that him, that they wouldn't get to the promised land. Now what has happened? What did he do? It sounds so harsh, doesn't it? First you think, well, what has he done wrong here? But the key comes in verse 12. It says, because you didn't believe in me and uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people. Moses didn't uphold God's character to the people. He didn't show them what God was like. And Moses didn't believe what God was like, so he didn't show them what God was like because of your unbelief. See, in the wilderness, God's people, the Israelites, needed a clearer picture of who God was and what he was like because they had a warped view. What God had like had kind of changed in their head. So they need a reminder, this is what I'm like. And Moses had the opportunity to do that, but instead... He disobeyed God's commands, he did his own thing, and the people didn't get the reminder of who God was and what he's like. And God says, you can't do that, Moses, they need me. So we need to be aware, we're in the wilderness of this world. We might feel like we're in a rut this morning, we might feel like giving up, we might feel hopeless. In this passage now, we're going to see three things that God wants you to know about him to keep you going in this wilderness. And that's just a background there to see and understand this passage. So, three things that we need to know about God and what we need in the wilderness. Number one is this. We need God's mercy and grace. In our wilderness wanderings, we need God's mercy and grace. Now, to understand this, we need to see what happened in Exodus 17. You might want to turn there uh, just to glance at what happens. If you've got one of the church Bibles, you'll find it on page 70. 71, sorry, because there we see God brings water from a rock. Let me read it from um, Exodus 17, verse 4. I'll read a few verses there. So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall we do with his people? Because they've been mourning that there's no water, like Numbers 20. They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So what's happening? Here they are. Um, God says, I'm going to stand before the rock. You will strike the rock. The rod of the staff is a picture of God's judgment. So you will strike that, and then streams of water will flow out of it. Now here are God's people. They've been rescued from Egypt. God has wonderfully rescued and set them free. And they are grumbling. They are doubting. They are saying, God doesn't care about us. God doesn't love us. Uh, we need to go back. We need to go back to our old slaves. They're threatening to kill Moses, who is God's representative. They're rebelling against God. They're saying, we don't want anything to do with you. What do they deserve? Well, in one sense, you could say they deserve the judgment. They deserve to be struck. But God says, this is what will happen. I'll stand by the rock. You strike the rock. That's what the people deserve. I will take the strike, and then they will know the blessing of waters flowing. Do you see the mercy and the grace that God wanted to show them? This rock being struck was a picture to say, this is what you deserve. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to take it, and then you will get a blessing as a result. 
Now, we need to keep that in mind, that's Exodus 17, as we come to Numbers 20. Because this generation are complaining, this 40 years later, they're saying the same things over and over again. Moses' patience is, is worn thin. He has run out of patience. But God wants the people to see what he's like. You need to show that I'm holy. That is, I am different. I'm like nobody or nothing else. Like none of those idols or gods that you saw in Egypt. I am holy. So what does God command Moses to do? Look at Numbers again now, verse 8. Tell the rock to yield its water. Speak to the rock. What does Moses do? Verse 10, he gathers them and he's angry with them. You rebels, shall we bring water out of the rock? And verse 11, Moses lifts up his hands and he strikes the rock twice. God wanted Moses to speak to the rock. Why? To remind them that back 40 years earlier, he took the judgment. He took the strike in their place for their rebellion. And then they would remember, this is what God has done for us. He showed us mercy and grace in the past. He showed the generation before mercy, mercy and grace. It's not about Moses, it's about what God has done. And then blessing flowed because you took the strike. Fountains of water in the middle of the desert because God took the hit. Now remember, this wouldn't have been a little trickle. Sometimes in, in our minds, we might have a Sunday school picture of a little rock with a little fountain coming out of it. This was to you know, to get two million people uh, water and their cattle and, and all the animals they had. So this would have been gushing water in the middle of the desert. This is an amazing miracle. And God wanted his people to see him as generous, generous, as compassionate, as holy, as gracious, as merciful, as slow to anger, as rich in love. They need to know what I'm like, Moses. You need to remind them what has happened in the past, that he's a God of love and grace. But because Moses didn't believe that, he'd taken his eyes off what God had done. Moses has made it all about himself. And instead of showing God's grace to his people, Moses ended up showing judgment. Now, I wonder if at the moment you are feeling the drain of being in the wilderness, just the, the trudge of it, you know, that it's hard work before we get to the promised land. Yeah, and if you're a Christian this morning, you will be feeling that on some level. Maybe you're feeling right in the thick of it this morning. And it can feel like we're wandering around aimlessly. We're not getting anywhere. Like I say, we're stuck in a rut and we can feel hopeless. And we can come to God and we can say, God, what are you doing? Why am I here? Why is this happening? Do you know what God wants you to see this morning? Do you see what he wants us to see about him? He wants you to see how gracious he is. He wants you to see what he has done for you in the past. He wants you to remember what he is really like not the warped view of him we can have in our minds. See, we can easily think, God doesn't love me. God isn't for me. He doesn't really care. He's kind of forgotten about me. But God wants us to see, just like the Israelites needed to be reminded in the wilderness, he wants us to be reminded of who he is and what he's like. The New Testament sheds this amazing light on this passage for us. In 1 Corinthians, um, Paul says this, they all drank, talking about the Israelites, they all drank this spiritual drink. They drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So did you see what's been said? The, the rock was Christ. What's been said? In all their moaning, all their doubting, all their blaming, all their finger pointing at God, God, you've got this wrong. God, you don't love us. God, you've forgotten about us. God, we know what's best. In all their arrogance, God said to, the, to Moses, go to the rock. I'll stand there. I'll be struck. Specifically, Christ will be struck so that you will know blessing instead of judgment. 
because of all our rebellion. Isn't that what we deserve as well? Because of all our looking down on God and saying we know best. All our kind of ignoring him and going our own way. See, we're lost in our wilderness of confusion and pain, and we need to see the rock was struck. Christ took our place. He took our judgment, and he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And on him, as the, the chastisement has come that has brought us peace with God, with his stripes we're healed. Through Christ being struck on the cross, we now know the blessing that flow. He is our spiritual rock. That's what the New Testament showing us. So remember John 4, Jesus says this, whoever drinks of the water I will give will never be thirsty again. On the cross, Jesus cried out, I'm thirsty. He was, he was taking the judgment of, of the thirst we deserve. We don't deserve access to the living water, but Jesus gives us access. He is the wonderful, soul-satisfying, soul-thirst-quenching um, water that we need. Jesus was struck so that we could be forgiven he took our place and this is why moses why he what he did was so wrong god wanted to remind the people the rock was struck you don't strike it again you have to speak now moses it's struck once the judgment has been taken and now you are um you are uh, free so so often we forget that the rock has been struck we forget that jesus faced our judgment in our place once and for all this morning, do you realise the rock has been struck? Christ has taken the punishment we deserve. So if you're trusting in Jesus, you don't need to strike or beat up yourself because of failures that you've done. He's taken the judgment. He is no, you no longer stand under his condemnation, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to see his grace and mercy in the middle of the wilderness. We need to see what he wants us to remind us of. Has the view of God, your view of God, been warped in the wilderness to think he doesn't love you, he doesn't care, he's got, he hasn't got your best interest at heart? God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And if you're trusting in Christ, you are forgiven, he has taken that for you. And can you see, in the wilderness, we can have unbelief. Do you see why Moses, what he was bearing here, he says... Um, uh, in verse 12, God says, because you didn't believe in me. You didn't believe that I, I loved you. You didn't believe that I wanted to show grace to these rebels. And you made it all about you. We need to see, clear everything else away and see Christ. Struck for us on the cross. Bearing our punishment. We need our eyes on him in the wilderness. So today, stop thinking the rock needs to keep being hit. Jesus has taken it once and for all. Now, maybe this morning you're here and you're not a Christian and you are just aware of things that you've done in your life, the past, that just weigh guilt down on you. And you just beat yourself up. You just long for forgiveness and you don't know where to find it. See, today, God offers each one of us forgiveness, a fresh start. Jesus took the strike. He took the blow so that we could be, the guilty ones could go free. Turn to him today and say, Jesus, I need you. You might feel like you're in a wilderness. Maybe you haven't been rescued yet, but you just feel lost. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, follow me. Trust me, you need me. So we need God's mercy and grace in the wilderness. That's the first thing. The second thing we need is this. We need God's strength in the wilderness. See, in the wilderness, we can easily feel like this. I can't do it. I can't go on. This is just too big. 
it is too scary or there's too much things to deal with or i just seem to be getting nowhere i've tried and i can't go on i can't make it now moses in this account takes his eyes off the sustaining power of god and he makes it all about him see moses was starting to believe the things that the israelites were saying about him listen again to these words numbers 20 verses 2 to 5 let me read this again now there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves together against moses and against aaron and the people quarreled with moses and said would that we'd perish with our brothers perish before the lord why have you brought the assembly of the lord into this wilderness and verse 5 why have you made us come up out of egypt and bring us to this evil place the people were blaming moses at this moment weren't they moses this is your fault you've done this and moses has kind of fallen into this trap of thinking it's all down to me this is my problem now he was tired he was stressed he was weary and that is a dangerous position to be in to thinking this is my fault i've got to sort this all out and before the people he was just exposed wasn't he to thinking well it's all down to me now god wants to show his people in the wilderness here this is my work i do the miracles i bring forth the water that will sustain you i will keep you going i'm the one that has brought you safe thus far and i will take you home to the promised land but moses stands up and what do the people hear and see they don't see god has got you god has got this he'll get you through no verse 10 he says shall we bring water to the rock for you i have to sort this out again i have to clear up the mess after you again come on then let's do this and then he struck the rock twice and water came out did the people hear about god no were they reminded that god has brought you to here he's going to get you to the promised land no who gets all the attention here it's all about moses all about his glory so he was taken from god onto himself and he it was too much for him moses thought it was all about him now we can be so much like that in the wilderness can't we we forget that the christian life is actually about god's hold on us that he has got you and he is not going to let you go but so often we take our eyes off that to thinking right i've got to do this we've we've got to do i've got to do this on my own the bible is full of reminders all over the place that christ is the author he's the start of our faith and he's the finisher of it in, in hebrews 12 we see that we forget that he has taken us out of slavery if we're a christian this morning he set us free he's leading us home to that place of rest and we think right I, I, we forget that we think it's all down to me i've got to pull my sleeves up i've got to roll my sleeves up pull my socks up i've got to do it on my own so instead of looking to god and pointing others to god we end up looking at ourselves we end up looking at our weaknesses and we end up just getting nowhere so when things go well we get the glory when things go badly there's just despair and we feel crushed i can't do this anymore see we need to remind ourselves it is all of god's grace he saved us he has brought us to this point he will lead me home see we forget that it's a package deal that we're part of romans 8 30 those whom he predestined he called those whom he called he also justified those who he justified he also glorified see paul is saying it's like a past tense there because it's all in one you're as good as glorified when you're justified because you're safe with him are you trying to live the christian life in your own strength are you trying to do it on your own 
Have you forgotten that God has got a hold of you and he's never going to let you go? You see, so often in the wilderness, our eyes are down and we think it's all about me and what I have to do. This morning, let's look again to the God who's got you and he won't let you go. Colossians 1.29 says this. Um, Paul says, "I, I struggle with all his energy that powerfully works within me. Yes, we fight, but God is strengthening us. 2 Peter 1 tells us that God has provided everything that we need for life and godliness. He gives it all. We have access to this wonderful power. So in tough times and when things are trials, when we're weary and when we feel down, we think, right, what do I need to do to sort this out? Don't we? We think, right, what do, how do I solve this problem? But God says, turn to me. Rest in me. Lift your eyes to me instead of looking to yourself. Seek my spirit's help to strengthen you. Stop trying to do it on your own. And when we take our eyes off him and focus on ourselves, it's then we think, I've got to give up because I can't do it. And we can't. We're in the wilderness. This is hard. But God has got us. Now, the, the challenging thing here is Moses had this unbelief in his heart about what God was like. And there were big consequences for that. He forgot God's mercy. He forgot God's character. But he was doing all the right things, wasn't he? So outwardly, it looked like things were okay with Moses. He... Um, when the people complained, he prayed. He went to God and he, he just went down and fell down before God. He was praying for the people in one sense. So in one sense, it looked on the outward appearance that things were fine for Moses. You know, we can be doing all the right things. We can be in the right meetings. We can look the part. But really, there's unbelief about God in our hearts. We doubt that he's not going to get us there. Or we think we can do it on our own. Let's look again to the rock. The rock has been struck. Jesus has taken the judgment so that we're safe. Our judgment's been paid for and we're on our way to glory. We can still be very active doing the right things, but our heart can be full of unbelief. So let's battle our unbelief today in who God is and what he's like by looking to Jesus and seeing, as we looked, thought of earlier, um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, we need in the wilderness, we need God's mercy and grace. In the wilderness, we need God's strength. And the final thing is this, in the wilderness, we need Jesus. See, Israel failed time and time again. 40 years of wandering, 40 years of lessons that they should have learned, and they didn't. Um, 40 years of leaving God's goodness and trying to find their own idols. They saw amazing things that God did, but still they kept failing. They'd heard God's promises. They had seen the glory on Mount Sinai. They'd, all of that was there, and yet they weren't changed. Yet, 40 years later, the same thing happens. And this shows us really the heart of what the Bible message is all about, doesn't it? If the message of the Bible was, be better than Israel, look what they've done, now you do better. Well, week after week, we'd be joyless, wouldn't we? Week after week, that is not good news. Try harder. Come on, you can do it. No, the message of the Bible isn't that. And even in this passage, we see one of the main characters in the Bible, Moses, the answer doesn't come from how Moses acts here, does it? Here is Moses. How does he live? Should we live like that? Well, no, actually, Moses fails as well. And as you look through all the main characters in the Bible, at some point, they all fail. See, the message of the Bible isn't, here are some heroes for you to emulate and try and be like. You be like Moses. You be like the Israelites. No, no, no. They failed. Our hope isn't in Moses. Our hope isn't in being better than him or being uh, an Isra uh, better than Israel. No, our hope comes in Jesus. And this passage, again, shows us Jesus was the one struck, but it also shows us this. 
Jesus kind of lived a life that Israel failed. If you look in uh, the temptations of Jesus in um, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, we see there that Jesus was taken into the wilderness quite deliberately. He went through the waters of baptism, through the waters like the Red Sea, and he came out and he went into the wilderness, not for 40 years, but for 40 days. And there in the wilderness, he experienced the trials and the temptations that went on. And he was thirsty and he was hungry and he had it really tough. But what did Jesus do? Did he fail? Did he rebel? No, Jesus stood firm. Jesus is the true Israel. He's the one who never failed. In the Old Testament, the Israel is sometimes called the sons of God. Well, Jesus is the true son of God and he obeyed. Every way that Israel failed, he obeyed. Where they, uh, where they were weak, he was strong. And when we remember those truths, when we acknowledge that actually Jesus has lived a life I never could live, he has been through the wilderness and come out the other side, and, and then we realize, hang on, he's lived that in my place. All his merits, all the ways he has lived, now become credited to me. His perfect life is lived in my place. And Jesus isn't just our example, but he is our righteousness. Wow, he's done that for me. Jesus has lived this life before us. He has never failed. And he says, look, I'm going to give that to you. Credit all that into your account. When we realize the greatness of what Jesus has done for us, our heart will be full and overflowing with wonder that he has done that for me. This morning, you might feel like a failure before God in your wilderness experience. But you see, if we're trusting in Jesus, he lived the perfect wilderness experience and all of his benefits are credited to your account. We are forgiven and accepted in him. He is the true Israel and his righteousness is given to us. What mercy and grace we see there. And, and the spirit that helped Christ uh, battle Satan is now given to us. And we get to depend on him. We can't do it alone in the wilderness, but Jesus has done it for us. See, in this passage, um, Moses had the opportunity to show Israel what they needed. You need to see what I'm like, God said. You need to be reminded of my grace and love. You need to be reminded this isn't about you, it's about me. Show them me, Moses. But Moses didn't. He made it all about himself. So this morning, in your wilderness experience, let's see what we need to see. God is merciful and gracious. He won't let you down. He won't let go of you. He is your strength. He was the rock. Jesus was the rock that took the blow that we deserved. So this morning, in the wilderness, look to Jesus. Now, maybe today you've never turned to him. And maybe today you're sitting there thinking, well, I can't do this life on my own. I, how would you do it? Turn to Jesus. Ask him to help you. Ask him to save and rescue you. And he's the one who will be with us all the way through our wilderness and will never let us go. He is the one who can carry our burdens. He is the one who will lead us to that place of rest um, in the end. Turn to today and we can know peace through our battles and through the struggles of wilderness. So God is merciful. God is our strength today. And we need Jesus. We need his righteousness. Live that perfect life in our place. So let's pray together as we, uh, before we sing. Um, to thank God for how he's helped us um, and how he helps us in the wilderness. Lord, we need you. We thank you so much that you remind us of your character when we forget. Lord, we know we are just like the Israelites here. We take our eyes off you. 
We do our own thing. We think we know what you're like and forget what you're like, Lord. So help us to be corrected today by your word, to see your mercy and your grace, to see that we are not alone and to see that we desperately need Jesus, the one who lived that life in our place. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't yet know you, hasn't yet trusted in you, that today, Lord, they would see their need of salvation. They would see their need for Jesus. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.